the the idea or the statement actually that feedback is a gift and as a receiver of that gift it's up to you to decide what to do with it and there's so many people out there that don't see feedback as a gift they get defensive and they see it as someone attacking them I mean there's ways to obviously provide feedback in a constructive way but um, but feedback truly is a gift and so people who can wrap their head around that um, will get the most value out of that gift. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse. I'm a partner and lawyer in the Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth in this segment. Today, I'm joined by Christina Milkey, president of Kagar Consulting, Inc. I'm excited to talk today about mentorship and its effect on leadership generally. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. I know that you have your finger in lots of different initiatives these days. To set the stage, I wonder if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about you and about your background and how you got to where you are. Um, my background, first of all, is that I'm a CACPA, and I spent the majority of my career working in uh, larger, more established technology companies, such as Intuit, as an example, and Investopedia. And while I was working at Investopedia, uh, I was had the opportunity to participate in helping sell Investopedia, uh, which really was quite interesting and a very good experience for me. And in addition to that, while I was at Investopedia in my role as the CEO, I became an angel investor. And I realized uh, after attending an angel investing meeting that these types of activities happen in person in my own city. And so I was very excited about that and uh, very happy to participate. And I started writing checks uh, into some early stage technology companies. And if you fast forward from there, after I left Investopedia, which we did sell uh, to a company out of LA for 42 and a half million US dollars, I then started working with the founder of the Angel Group because I liked it so much and I really wanted to stay in that space. If you fast forward it to now, um, we put together an organization called Valhalla Private Capital, which includes the Angel Group as well as a mergers and acquisition division and some funds. In addition to that, myself and three other partners launched an early stage technology fund here in Alberta called Sprout Fund, of which we did this specifically so that one, we could learn to be fund managers. So we didn't raise a lot of money, but we're really, really enjoying what we're doing and likely to raise a second fund. But we have deployed uh, into six companies now with probably enough room to do three or maybe four more deals out of that fund. And it's been very, very interesting and a great learning experience. In addition to that, I uh, love to do volunteer work, and so I've dedicated quite a bit of my volunteer time to a program called Threshold Impact Venture Mentoring Services that's run out of the University of Alberta Alumni Office. I was one of the founding mentors uh, back when it started seven years ago, as well as I currently also sit on the board of advisors. I'm the vice chair, and I also help with a variety of things within the program, uh, including on the Mentor Engagement Committee the Excellent Education Committee. And one of my favorite things that I love to do is to help with the pitch coaching for the new companies that are coming into the program as well. Wow, that's a that's a very full plate <laughs> that, that you have. 
I want to jump to the sort of, the, you know, the, the concept of that really full plate that you have and how do you balance the, you know, the, the consulting stuff? So the paid gigs that you have versus what sounds like it takes up a lot of your, your time from a volunteering uh, perspective um, with, you know, some initiatives, uh, pitching, helping entrepreneurs get ready for that kind of thing and, and uh, other ventures related through the VMS program. How do you balance that? Um, and how, what would you suggest for entrepreneurs or other business leaders who are considering taking on the role of a volunteer when they too feel like they might have really full plates? I think, well, the first thing is when I started uh, working for myself, I, I purposely made a decision that one of the benefits of working for myself would mean that I've ha- I would have more flexibility with my schedule. And that also meant that I could then assign a percentage of my time that I felt would I would be able to manage and uh, would provide me some really good value to myself personally into doing volunteer work. And so my goal was to find some volunteer work that I really love to do. And that's where VMS came in. So I currently probably allocate 15% maybe of my time to volunteer work, specifically to VMS, but I also sit on a couple of boards as well that are both, uh, both two of them are volunteer as well. Um, and so that yeah. had to get factored in, but the board meetings often are, you know, usually at the end of the day. So not in necessarily during working hours, you know, it's, it's really about making sure like a lot of the things I do are, are with um, there's a lot of crossover, I guess is what I'm saying between a lot of the work and the volunteer work and the consulting there's crossover of in the network and how I get business as well. Business development comes from the same network, maybe that I might do volunteer work in or other types of my fund, for example. So there's a lot of crossover and that really helps. So it sounds like there's maybe a couple of things there. One is alignment. So making sure in some cases, unless you have a real passion for something that isn't aligned with your career goal, but making sure that there's some alignment professionally as well as in your volunteer role so that you can have that crossover and it can feel maybe a little bit less overwhelming. And then the second thing that I'm, I'm hearing you and, I, and I've heard other people say as well is, is that you just need to be deliberate about the commitment that you're making. And if something is a priority and something is meaningful to you, um, you'll, you'll find a way to sort of balance the juggling that's required to take on, on these roles. Mm-hmm. What, what was it either about VMS that, that you've spoken about specifically, or, you know, some of the, some of these other board works or these other volunteer roles that initially drew you to them? Yeah, ultimately, um, in almost everything I do, um, there is a direct or very closely, almost indirect, uh, direct but indirect role to helping entrepreneurs in almost everything okay. that I do. I really value the hard work that entrepreneurs have to do in order to have a successful business. So I really wanted to do as much as I could um, to help those entrepreneurs for a variety of reasons. One, you know, I, I think it takes a village to raise a great company. Every big company out there started out as a small company at some point. And then on top of that, um, you know, I am a proud Edmontonian, a proud Albertan and a proud Canadian. And so I would love to do whatever I can to try and help put Edmonton on the map in the technology space to help Alberta be a better place to attract entrepreneurs to build great tech companies here. And that ultimately helps generate wealth and provide a better social fabric for all of the country and all the citizens in the country. Can you tell me, so if let's look at it from the perspective of the entrepreneur. So you've had a number of roles as an angel, as a mentor, um, as a coach. 
And you've talked about how you, you know, get some personal satisfaction um, and, and kind of feel like you're able to help move the needle forward for those entrepreneurs. What have you observed about the effect on entrepreneurs who receive the coaching or mentorship and the, their ability, therefore, to grow their companies? So I would say specifically to VMF, one of the things that I really love about the program is that the success metric for VMS is definitely not on the growth and viability of the business, but on the growth and development of the entrepreneur. And that sounds of, and people would ask, you know, how do you measure that? And that's a great question to ask because it's difficult to quantify that um, as you would a business, right? You can just look at revenue growth or, right. or bottom line growth. But the ways that we measure that is a couple different things. And the theory behind it is we know that even when a company doesn't survive for a variety of reasons, like maybe it's not a viable business opportunity, uh, maybe they're too early for the space, um, but we know right. that getting adequate and, and great mentoring out of the VMS program for those entrepreneurs in the program, which may lead them down the path to actually have to contemplate and make a very difficult decision to actually shut down their business for whatever the reason is. Generally yeah. speaking, most people that have an entrepreneurial tendency won't quit after the first business that they try doesn't work out. And so our goal is to make sure that we help grow and nurture great entrepreneurs so that Ideally, when they go to make their next business, um, they will have learned some awesome things through the program of mentoring in BMS, along with some of the other parts of their business that they learn things from, and will do, you know, have a more, uh, a better chance of being successful in the, in the second or third attempt when they, you know, build another business. And so we have some great examples, especially in the early days of BMS. At the time, uh, we were able to attract really early stage companies only as we, as we launched BMS. And I recall specifically a team that I was on. Um, it was two co-founders, and they were very early in their in their lifespan of their business. They actually were still working on their minimum viable product, but they were getting uh, lots of good coaching and mentoring out of our out of the team around them at BMS. And you know, after being in the program a couple of years, they ultimately had to make the very difficult decision to shut down the business for a couple different reasons. And uh, which was very difficult for them, but they had lots of support. And uh, when they did shut down, obviously, they had to exit the program because they no longer had a business to get mentored on. Um, one of them uh, ultimately has moved to Toronto and started another business. He went into an accelerator, started another business with another partner, and they have a very thriving business right now in Toronto. And he still, when he does come back to Edmonton, you know, generally calls me up and gives me an update and, and still thanks me for his, his very valuable experience that he had in the VMS program here in Edmonton. That's a very excellent way to measure success and also very rewarding for, for the mentors. So beyond just the, the coaching, you know, from mentor to mentee or the people who are on the teams, do you gain anything from the other mentors who are paired up with you on the specific teams? I learned just as much from the entrepreneurs in the program than I do from the other mentors on the team. And that's the beauty of this program is there's always, you know, so many different situations to learn from, approaches to learn from, even more technical things to learn from, depending on the type of business that it is. It's just a wealth of learning every single time. And so if you're a person that really values that learning experience, I actually feel I get more out of it than I actually put in. Oh, interesting. Interesting. You're obviously a very big proponent and advocate for that coaching, that that mentorship. I have two questions. One, in this era of uh, that we're currently living in, in this pandemic era, have you seen um, a change or a shift 
in terms of the need for mentorship, whether that's with the the teams that you're currently paired up with, or uh, I guess from maybe some of the other uh, hats that you wear, some of the other roles that you serve on, have you seen any sort of enhanced requests or urgency for that mentorship for these entrepreneurs? For sure. If you think about, you know, a lot of large companies, certainly in my career, I've worked in very large organizations where, you know, we all had a requirement, an obligation, if you will, particularly if we were publicly traded to ensure that we had uh, disaster recovery plans and, and formal things like that in the event that something terrible was to happen, even if it's as simple as a power surge and, and no one can use their computers. Like a lot of companies have those kinds of plans in place. But with small businesses, yeah. especially earlier stage ones, um, they haven't thought about it. I mean, they're so busy trying to keep themselves alive and keep themselves growing um, so that they can potentially attract capital or whatever it is that their goal is uh, in the short term and long term. All of a sudden, when, when a situation like COVID happened, they weren't prepared to do uh, pretty major pivots. They had thought about what they do. And frankly, really, nobody in our generation has experience dealing with a pandemic like this. This is just not something that right. happens on a regular basis. So there was right. definitely a lot of scrambling going on, I would say, by a lot of entrepreneurs. And the great thing about BMS is they provided a lot of variety of skill sets from experienced business people who could help those entrepreneurs contemplate how to pivot or what to think about or where their potential risks might be related to their business they hadn't thought about before because of this pandemic. And then on the other hats that I wear, particularly around capital raising, you know, certainly in my fund, our first priority was to reach out to our invested companies to make sure um, they could stay alive. Um, you know, that's, yep. a, you know, if they don't, that's a surefire way to lose money. So, so we were very yes. fortunate that all of our companies were in pretty good shape and actually had decent cash flow to be able to have a good long runway ahead of them. And then we did see in the angel side, we did see a pullback from companies raising capital uh, for a couple of reasons. One, while well, they tried to figure out what they needed to do immediately to make sure their business um, could stay alive. But secondly, a little bit of fear around trying to raise capital and, and the potential push down of valuations because right. of people feeling a little bit desperate. And so any companies that were about to start a capital raise and if they had the luxury to be able to wait a few months, that's what they chose to do often was to just hold off and see how this would play out a little bit. So they could determine really if it made sense to do that raise at a lower valuation now or just wait until they could get back to a bit of a more normal activity level. The, the second part of that question is really when you're wearing your hat as an angel investor or you're looking, you know, maybe through uh, some of the funds to invest in in companies, do you look strictly at sort of their cash flow and their financial metrics? Or if, a, if an entrepreneur has invested in some coaching and some mentorship, does that, I guess, either show through uh, and make them a more valuable company to invest in? Or does it somehow enhance the offering that the company might have? Great question. So, and it's complex a little bit. <laughs> There's a few different ways to look at this. So, so certainly on the angel side, you know, when, when we're looking at companies coming through the angel group, one of the first things we look for is coachability. And, you know, there's always some entrepreneurs um, that feel like they know what they need to know to be able to be successful. And I can tell you that my very first company I ever invested in, who I will not name, um, was an, was an <laughs> entrepreneur who thought he just knew better. And, and unfortunately, yeah. um, was really struggling in the business, uh, particularly around cash flow and cash burn. And I was the person, uh, the investor on, on the investor side saying, hey, you know, you need to manage your cash flow daily. You can't even, you can't do it monthly. 
you know, things are too tight. And, and this entrepreneur really didn't listen to me. In addition to that, there was about 125 years in aggregate of business experience from the investors that invested in this company. And this entrepreneur wouldn't listen to any of us. And if you fast forward from that time, ultimately the company didn't last. They ran out of money. They, they stopped being able to attract capital because of the fact that they were burning through it, not making any progress. And they died and so did all of our money. So I learned my lesson the hard way, as most investors will have learned a few lessons the hard way and, and ultimately <laughs> right. don't make the same mistake twice. So so for me, yep. when I'm personally looking at any company, coachability of the founder becomes really, really critical for me because there's no person out there that knows everything. And if they don't, if they're not open to one, understanding that you need to bring in the skill sets around you that you personally don't have a strong ability in like not everyone can be good at operations capital raising uh you know accounting and product development for example Uh, there's no way one person can do all that stuff and do it excellently the ability to identify where your weak spots are and bring in the team around you or the skill set around you it becomes very very critical in addition to that in our fund you know that's another thing that we look at is are the right people around the entrepreneur one of the, the value propositions we have in sprout is uh, because a lot of the companies we invest in are fairly early, um, we will help those companies by you know, providing some regular meetings with them around advising um, That's as part of our mm-hmm. investment into them because it's in our yep. best interest that they survive and grow. In addition, um, you know, we will help them raise capital. You know, we'll, we'll come along for the ride with them to help identify who might be good targets for them to raise capital, provide uh, opportunities to meet with those potential investors if it helps the business, whatever we can do to support the company. But that all comes with having a founder or a founding team that welcomes that type of interaction. Right. Very important uh, for them to be willing to receive the feedback um, and do something with it to help everybody's uh, investment grow, right? Including theirs, including their, you know, their sweat equity and everything that they're putting into it. One of the things that I take, I took away from Intuit uh, in my years there, and they were a top-notch company to work for was the, the idea or the statement actually that feedback is a gift. And as a receiver right. of that gift, it's up to you to decide what to do with it. And there's so many people out there that don't see feedback as a gift. They get defensive and they see it as someone attacking them. I mean, there's ways to obviously right. provide feedback in a constructive way, but um, but feedback truly is a gift. And so people who can wrap their head around that um, will get the most value out of that gift. Where can our listeners find out more about VMS? Yeah, they can go to, uh, well, the, it's part of the University of Alberta. So certainly on the U of A website, they can do a search for uh, VMS as well. Heather, you're one of our mentors as well. So they can reach out to you. I am. They can, they can reach out to me and I'm happy to connect them. Well, thank you, Christina. Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update. That sounds great, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure.